1 Peter chapter 2, as Daniel just read for us, we'll be examining verses 9 and, and onward throughout the course of our morning together. I want to welcome every single one of you to Big Woods Bible Church, especially if this is your first Sunday here with us, um, a welcome to you. And also, university students, it is so great to have you here. I don't know if you realize, but this church was birthed out of campus ministry many, many moon ago. So we love you, we pray for you. And I want you to know, students, um, anything that you need. You need a snack in the middle of the night. You need, you need an eraser while you're studying. Okay, you call Pastor uh, Robbie and Michaela. <laughs> no, no, in all honesty, you are at such a pivotal time in your life. Uh, I want you to know that you are not alone, that you are being prayed for. And that goes really for every single one of us. We're going to be looking today at a subject that we're going to have to put into action. We can't just talk about caring for one another, but every single one of us, and I think of students today and what you face, you need to know this, you are not alone. You're not alone. You have people on either side of you who love you and pray for you. And that's really what we're going to look at today from the truth of scriptures by way of our responsibility to show and to share one another the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has shown us would you first and foremost, and I know that we've prayed several times, but I, I just have to kind of set and quiet my heart and my mind before we dive into our text. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we, we are amazed at who you are. I have that, that song just resonating in my mind and in our heart that you are our living hope. When it, when it seemed like there was no hope that, that you had been crucified, you were dead, your body began to breathe, and there's hope. And ultimately, Lord, there is life. And I think even right now, the people who are under the sound of, of my voice, whatever circumstance, Lord, may they be reminded and encouraged of the hope that exists in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that his name would be made clear today, that this message would be for your glory and your glory alone. Please, please help me, my stammering lips. May everything that is said and done be for your glory and for your glory alone. Father, please speak and may your children hear. We ask this in the amazing and matchless and wonderful name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah. Amen and amen. I, I almost don't want to say it, but summer is drawing to a close. You'll be out there, you'll be out there shoveling snow before you know it. Our final week, really, of our summer series church 101 what we've looked at is like why do we do what we do and if you recall just last week lord willing we learned about something of such importance called discipleship we talked about the fact that we are to come alongside of one another living life together walking with remember paul said follow me as i follow christ 
older, teaching younger. What do we teach them to obey? Everything. To observe everything that Jesus Christ commanded. And we talked about the fact it is an absolute priority. It is a command for us. It's literally part of our commissioning. It must remain our focus. And yet today I stand before you and I have to say this, actually we have more responsibility than just that. We actually have more responsibility than just discipleship. I've actually heard it described like this, like two wheels on a bicycle. Discipleship and evangelism must go together. Remove one of them and you've got problems. Well, what about the unicycle? I've heard that argument before. Okay, there is such a thing as a unicycle. Let me tell you this. You ride on one wheel, it's a little wobbly, okay? And it's really, really dangerous. You cannot remove one of these. So what? Well, discipleship happens primarily what we would call inside the church, not the four walls of the church, but within the context of the body of Christ. We cannot forget the world outside the church, where every single day people are dying and they're going to a Christless eternity who are in need of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet apparently what happens in local churches today is that there's a great challenge here. There's almost what we could say a, a barrier that exists, an obstacle of sorts that the modern church, particularly the Western church in the 21st century, has adopted and here it is. Some of the problem ex exists because people are misunderstanding or misreading certain things. Ephesians chapter 4 says what? And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. 2 Timothy in chapter 4 verse 5, Paul instructed Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And so it's very, very easy to think that what? This is some specialized duty that is reserved either for those who have a spiritual gift of evangelism or what? Or one who holds the office of pastor or elder. And you sit there this morning, and you're like, finally, I get a pass on this one. M many think what? Many think this. I, I don't know how to fix my car. So I what? I take it to a mechanic. I hire a mechanic. Some people say, I don't, like, I don't really know how to renovate my kitchen, so I'm going to hire a carpenter, somebody who knows how to do it. Likewise, What? I'm not gifted in this area. I'm certainly not qualified to evangelize, so I'm going to hire it out. I'm going to leave it to the professionals, which if you think of it, even within the church ranks, that gift seems somewhat rare. Historically speaking, within the last hundred years, churches have actually hired an evangelist to come in for a week and send people to go hear him, which is interesting to me because nowhere do I ever see in Scripture, Acts chapter 2, that evangelism will take place, what, from October 7th to, to October the 14th, beginning at 7 o'clock p.m., make sure you come here. I, I don't see that in Scripture. Or what do we do? We oftentimes can even 
subcontract this out to a parachurch ministry that teaches us this is really what you have to do to, to create an appealing track in the form of a door hanger. And people will train us as a local church how to prayer walk or how to knock on doors and say, read this. We've in a sense contracted out the ministry of evangelism at some level and i don't i don't at all want to be critical here but i'm thinking the church has perfected the art of complicating things why is that the reality is what the church of jesus christ is a community of christians that are designed to model the character of god to a watching world period we don't have to contract that out. We're not to do that. That's the reason that Sunday is not designed exclusively that every single message is what? An evangelistic message. It's not designed to be that. It's not designed to be another lesson on apologetics. Yet the church is designed to be the primary tool to accomplish what? The mission of evangelism. Think of Peter's description of the church um, Daniel just read this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And he, he describes us. This is you. If you've acknowledged the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you are a chosen race. It chose you. It says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Thus, what is our purpose? What is the reason for our existence? Peter goes on to say this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where did the apostle Peter get that idea? Think back to Jesus' words in John chapter 13. And we've mentioned that actually several times throughout the course of this, this past summer series. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you may proclaim in first peter and that all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another this is a love among christians and it speaks most powerfully to those who are not christians and peter saw this firsthand close up in acts chapter 2 it says what in verse 44 and all who believed were together like this and it says what and they had all things in common in verse 47 it says praising god and i love this phrase having favor with all the people and the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved by our existence people look in and say i want what they have the early christians life together had become a theater for their love i read that phrase say from one particular commentary so it's not mine i can't claim it but i can't remember who said it either but i think about this a theater the way that they lived together was a theater of their love so what a watching world should be able to do this what happens at a theater go buy the popcorn okay come on in have a seat right here. And as the curtain comes back, let me show you what the love of Jesus Christ looks like 
as we connect and relate and offer an eraser to a student in the middle of the night who needs one. You see, that's, that's what happens here. God used the church to be the grand witness. God used the local church to draw people unto himself. Therefore, what? Here it is. Evangelism is not for a select few. Evangelism is for you. One of the most colorful early church scholars, Tertullian, a North African who lived between 160 and 225 A.D. Tertullian was famous for his work, his, his apology, his apologetic work, written to the Roman magistrates to defend Christians against slanderous charges as they were being flooded, like those people. In it, he noted unity of Christians saying, and I quote, we are a body knit together as such by a common religious profession, by unity of discipline, and by the bond of a common hope, which we just sang about. Noting the impact love of a church had on unbelievers, he says this, it is mainly the deeds of love that are so noble that lead many to put a brand upon us. See how they say, how they love one another. End quote. Let let me make something very, very clear here. As we examine our responsibility for evangelism in intentional, intentional, impartial, congregational love in a loveless world will not be ignored. It cannot be missed. And that's what we have to be reminded of and understand this morning. That we as a local church display the transforming effects of the gospel in our life, in my life, in such a way that God loves us. We have to. We have to. There is an accomplishing of our mission. How do we do that? I actually have one point for you this morning. One point. That's like breaks a record. There are five sub points. (laughs) One big idea. Here it is. Write this down. Talk about this over lunch, like in between your wings. Talk about this. Number one, and only one, there is a unique power when an entire congregation seeks to be a witness for Jesus Christ. There is a unique power when an entire congregation seeks to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Well, how does that happen? How can our life together empower evangelism? How how can our what? Our inward life, lifestyle, our worship, our fellowship with one another provide an outward witness of God's transforming power of the gospel. How does that happen practically? Subpoint A. The display of unity among Christians is a powerful witness. The display of unity among Christians is a powerful witness. Most apparently, a congregational witness enables unbelievers to see evidence of God's love and God's power working corporately that they don't always see individually. Individually. 
Jesus is what? High priestly prayer. John chapter 17. Let me, let me read to you the words of Lord Jesus Christ as he is what? He is, he is weeping and praying. And as he's weeping and praying, he has you, you in mind. Listen to the words of Jesus, John chapter 17 and verse 20. I, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, here it is, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. The, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Here's that same phrase, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. And yet we know even in the midst of that love, the suffering that Jesus Christ was going to endure. If Jesus loves us, then everything's going to be smooth sailing? Absolutely not. Think our unity in the gospel testifies to Christ and his love for his people. Now, now think about when people look around today, and this is one of the big things, a, a world that is filled with conflict and turmoil. War and disaster and disease. And many people say, well, yeah, if there's a guy, he doesn't care. God doesn't care. God doesn't love. Whereas the evidence of God's love for us is that we actually work together in the midst of that. One of the reasons that God allows hardship is for us to show our love to one another in the midst of that hardship. What happens Take it like a panoramic view of the entire world. What happens when war breaks out? What happens when disaster strikes? Who is showing up right now in droves to Lahana, Hawaii? Who goes into the battle when other people are running out of the battle? Christians do. Samaritan's Purse. Disaster relief all over the place. They can't load the planes fast enough because they're going into the hot spots globally or look locally. What happens when there is a family in need? What happens when there is a child that is sick? Word goes out, and we need to be praying specifically for this little one. Is that you? Do, do you do that? Do you send and support? Do you do you pray? I think this says something about God, and it says something specifically about the, the bond of the body of Christ, particularly the local church. The impact of your relationship with others in this church ex expands, extends well beyond just what happens within here. In fact, it can impact the entire reputation of the Lord Jesus Christ in our city of Lock Haven. They will, they will know that you're my disciples because of the love and the oneness that exists. 
And it expands. That unity flows out of, number two, why the display of love among Christians is a powerful witness. Francis Schaeffer says it like this. The love of Christians for each other, the ultimate answer, or he calls it the final apologetic that we can give to the world. The greatest defense of the gospel is how you and I react and respond to one another when what? I need to love my brother. I need to love my sister when in all honesty, in my own heart, there's not always a lot of love there. But the Holy Spirit, what? Wells up with inside of us. What marks us as Christians to the eyes of the world? I would say in all honesty, more than sound doctrine. The world's not really interested, particularly the accuracy of our doctrine, although we need to be that, but that's not necessarily what attracts. More than what? Our passion in worship. Wonderful. More than our programs. The world looks in at us and they say, you know what? Those people, oddly enough, they show up for one another. They honestly do care. And when one weeps, they all weep. When one rejoices, they all rejoice. Remember Jesus' words again in in, in John chapter 13, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love and it's manifested. Matthew chapter 5, our description of kingdom living. Let your light shine before others so that they may see. They can look in. See your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Similarly, in 1 Peter chapter 2, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so when they speak against you as evildoers, here's that same phrase, that they may see the good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. According to Jesus, the good deeds of his disciples are the window by which a watching world comes to see, know, and ultimately glorify God. What does this specifically look like? A lot of people think that when we hear John chapter 13, that, that you'll be known what by your love. And so people think what it's a love for the world and those out there. We have to, that's not really what John chapter 13 is talking about. It's not first and foremost a love for the world. It's actually a love, what does it say? For one another. If you have love for one another. The witness that Jesus has in mind isn't first our love for the world, it's first for our love for the local church, for one another. And if we love well there, the world sees that profoundly compelling. We don't swing to the opposite, so that means I don't have to love the world. No, we're not saying that. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'm not saying that. By God's grace, we see all kinds of examples of what how we can love. Jesus says it will mark us. It'll mark us from the rest of the world. Nobody else behaves like that. See, the display of humility among Christians is a powerful witness. As a church, here it is, our responsibility is to help one another witness. So it's not, just, it's not just me being a witness, not just you. We're actually to look around us and say, how can I make my brother's witness even more impactful, my sister? It is never, ever, 
ever to be a one-man show. We're always to help one another witness. Why? Because evangelism as a church is a far more powerful witness than evangelism individually. Why? Because there's different gifts that are represented in this room, in this church. Seated in front of me are people that are gifted with just like starting, initiating a conversation. Like it just, it just flows naturally from them. And, and some people are like, I don't really do well on that. Yeah, but other people are gifted with what? Come, come alongside and, and sit with me as we, as we have lunch together. And it's easy for them to do that. Somebody else is like, I just know. Or someone else, what, has a real, real clear gift of communicating the gospel with such accuracy there's someone else what some of you many of you have the gift of just settling people down just offering a sense of of putting another person at ease like you just kind of like you're so chill and and what and people become chill around you that's a gift that god has given to us so that what so that all of us work together to display uh, Christ. Sometimes I, I find that we can beat ourselves up that I can't do all of those things when in reality, we should be what? We should be teaming up. Combining our gifts. You ever, ever talk to people with how they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ? And, and that's a normal part of conversation even as we, what, have coffee here. So how, how did you come to know Christ? And what's interesting is this, is that it's usually like, well, well, one person invited me to come. And then when I got here, it was another person who, who greeted me or welcomed me. And it was, a, it was another person who sat next to me. And it was another person who invited me out to lunch. And then it was another person who shared the message of the gospel with me you see how many people are what involved in this process the entire body i love how paul says what i planted apollos watered but god was the one who gave the growth gave the increase be assured there are many different people who are needed as we all help one another be a witness of the lord jesus christ forth the display of hope among Christians is a powerful witness. Well, it is, it is so easy for us. It would be so easy. It's such a temptation for us to join the parade of hopelessness that exists in our world today. It would be so easy for us to kind of jump on the back of the toboggan in this what? This whole world that's going to hell in a handbasket. And yet, for some reason, the local church of Jesus Christ does not join into that does not jump into that fray. Whether or not it's political, whether or not it's economic turmoil, battling over how we should handle the crises that we face in our country today, differing views, homelessness and border security and climate control and opioid addiction. And what happens if you are not saturated in the truth of Scripture? If you are not sensitive to the Spirit's leading, then what? Very quickly. I mean, 10 minutes of the news, and you can very quickly, what? Have despair set in. 
but we're not like the world. We don't act like the world. We don't talk like the world. We don't think like the world. Rather what? We have, we've been rescued from this. We have literally been redeemed. We are of no value. I remember as a kid, we used to, um, used to do, you, do they still do this where you could take like um, soda cans and soda bottles and you collect them and then take them to the redemption center and you get like two cents a piece or five cents a piece? I always thought about that. Like, that's garbage on the side of the road. And I'm like, wow, man, I can buy like four packs of bubble yum. Like, that's really something that is of no value, no purpose. That's in a sense what, it's a redemption center, they call it. I remember it now. We have been redeemed. No purpose, no direction, And God says, no, 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 no. I call you unto myself. He sets us up a chosen race, holy nation, royal priesthood with a purpose. Remember what? Psalm chapter 62. And the psalmist knew something about the despair that exists, the hopelessness. Psalmist writes in Psalm 62, for God alone, O my soul, wait in silence For my hope is from him. Our hope doesn't come from a leader in this world. Our hope doesn't come with a new job or my hope doesn't come with with a promotion. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. 1 Peter chapter 3, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being ready, prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in you. Like, why do you hope in the midst of a hopeless world? And then it says what? You answer them with gentleness and respect. In intentional witness for the Lord Jesus Christ will not, cannot be ignored finally the certainty that god gets all the glory among christians is a powerful witness a a corporate witness glorifies god in a unique way in a sense the broader the testimony the more god is glorified an assembly of believers can give glory to god with a volume and a variety that we cannot do individually When you realize, and I realize, it's not about me. Rather, it's about us. It's about us together. When we realize that, it is so liberating. It is so freeing. I've been in a group of people. Maybe there's believers and unbelievers and, and people talk about what? Again, the subject, if we're believers, we talk like this is who we are. How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Some people say it's through a horrible season in my life. It was through darkness and despair. People loved me and cared for me. Others would say what? It was when I was young and raised in a Christian home. It was what a complete stranger on a college campus who invited me to worship with them. And there's different stories. 
that shows what? It shows the, the manifold ways that God is a witness saving the world around us. And it takes the focus off of us and it places us together, what? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, you do it for the glory of God. And one another, keep us in check to make sure the focus is not on us, but together as a local church, as we together bring glory to God. So whether or not you work together as what? Local PRC ministry. Whether or not you work together to serve on campus. Whether or not you work together, what? Welcoming kids into Awana. Whether or not you support missions faithfully or church planting around the world. What are we doing? We're pooling all of our resources. Far more effective together than individually, corporately than than apart. We pool our wisdom. We pool our experiences, our financial support, our prayers, and we direct them all together to the Lord to make his name great. Praying and inviting non-Christians into uh, our life. Praying and inviting non-Christians into this church, his church, and people begin to see like, wow, they do care about one another. There is a sense of unity and love and humility and hope, and it's not about them. It's all for the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria everywhere and I, and I wonder i wonder i wonder when people think about big woods like like this is this is where it starts in our own lives this is where we are together do, do they see christians that have an evident love and care for one another when people hear of our testimony do they see church members who are quick to greet to express an interest really how you doing? No, no, no. How are you really doing? And you wait for a response. Do they see members inviting them to lunch so we can get to know one another better? You know, I have to say from, from my perspective, I, I am blessed to get kind of a front row seat to the ministry of Big Woods. And the reports, and, and I want to commend you, the reports that I hear Okay, we're, we're far from perfect, but the, the general consensus, the reports I hear are good. Praise God for that. Keep doing that. But I wondered as well, is that because of you? Or is it because of others? And you're just kind of like riding in their wake. We have a responsibility. Why? Because one day, the whole world sobering thought the whole world will bow before our god in worship and praise sobering thought on that day every eye shall behold him in what in splendor in majesty everything is focused on the one who is called faithful and true and we look forward to that day but what's interesting is that we're not there yet we're not there yet. And God, in his providence, in his wisdom, have left us the compelling task of, of displaying and revealing his glory, his perfect character. He's left that responsibility with us who are imperfect in every single way. 
So ho- hopefully we understand, throughout, we kind of look back over June, July, and August, it's been a long time on local church. Hopefully you've heard and, and been reminded about the opportunities, but also the responsibilities that we have as a local church. And I'm just thankful that God has given to us everything that is necessary, everything that is necessary. The word of God, the spirit of God, He's given to us one another, the people of God, as we together reflect the very character of God, Jesus Christ, who modeled his, what, his perfect love in a perfect way. What does Jesus' love look like? Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast or brag. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believe all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Oh, oh, people, may that be us. May that be us as we what? Love people who are different than us. Love people that maybe, like myself, can be hard to love at times. I'm so grateful that God in his sovereign providence what saw me and what brought me unto himself just like he's done for, offered for every single one of us. That although we are far from holy he says I'll, I'll offer my own son to suffer and die in your place that we put our faith and our trust in him. And today I hope that the journey begins there. And we continue to love in our serving one another and are praying for one another and encouraging one another and yes even our admonishment of one another love love with patience and forbearance and and love by teaching and making disciples love by by being present here at important events like this and what non-important events we just get together have fun love by using your spiritual gifts to build up the church, love by what? Clothing yourself with kindness and compassion and warmth and generosity. That is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. We have before us a great commission, not only to make disciples, but to show others the love that Jesus Christ has shown to every single one of us. Father, we admit and confess that we cannot do this in our own strength. We cannot accomplish this apart from you and your enabling and empowering. We confess, Lord, that we fall short oh so often. And I pray, Lord, that we would be quick to confess that we would see others more than we see ourselves, that together we keep the focus and we do everything for your glory and for your glory alone so that you get all the praise. We ask this in Christ's name.